Uh, go ahead and open up to John chapter 7, and when you're there, if you would stand to your feet as we read God's Word. Um, Ian's going to read the passage for us this morning. Um, so John chapter 7, verse 1 through 13 is where we'll be this morning. All right. John chapter 7, 1 through 13. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews there were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see your works you are doing. For no one works in secret if, they seek to be, if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. But your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him uh, among the people. While some said, he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet, for fear of the Jews, no one would speak openly of him. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And as we dig into it this morning, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, minister to our hearts, and help us to walk out of these doors and, and, and to live uh, in such a way that that brings glory to you. Help us to be not only hearers of your word, but doers also. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You all can be seated. And uh, I do want to answer a question that um, somebody had posted on uh, one of the, the streams. Um, and the question was, uh, I, I didn't know church was open. Um, and I, they didn't hear anything about it. So to, to answer that question... Um, for, for you that, uh, that are watching, um, 31st, May 31st, okay, is our, let's call it grand reopening, um, and so uh, there's just a, a small amount of people in the building uh, right now, um, and um, so May 31st is when uh, everybody uh, can, can start making their way back here, obviously with everything that we talked about, um, temperature, masks, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to, to that day. And, um, and yeah, so John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. I heard the story about a, a, a girlfriend and boyfriend, and the girlfriend uh, decided to bring the boyfriend home to meet uh, her family. And so uh, at the first sight, the parents were astounded uh, by his appearance. The boyfriend was dressed in a leather jacket, motorcycle boots, tattoos all over the place, a pierced nose, and at dinner time they found out that his tongue was also pierced. And so at a discreet time, the parents pulled the daughter aside and said, we're not too sure about him. He doesn't seem very nice. And the daughter's response was, oh, please, mom, if he wasn't nice, why would he be doing 500 hours of community service? That has nothing to do with our message today. I just want to share it. But verse 1 
It, it says after this. Uh, now John is giving the events of Jesus in chronological order. In John chapter 6, we look back a little bit. In John chapter 6, we see such things as Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? We see such things as Jesus walking on water. We see Jesus saying and making his statement, I am the bread of life. And we see Jesus ultimately watching his disciples leave him because of the hard things that he was saying. And so in John 6, chronologically speaking, this would have been a year before the cross. In John 7, it would have been six months before the cross. And so six months before the cross, we're, we're seeing Jesus make radical statements and we're seeing Jesus do some amazing miracles. But we also are seeing Jesus confronted with some not-so-happy Pharisees and Sadducees and Jewish religious leaders. It says in verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So Jesus didn't want to linger in Judea. Why? Well, the answer is in the text for us because the Jewish, Jewish religious leaders wanted to kill him because of his claim to deity. They didn't like what Jesus was saying, and so they were out to kill Jesus. And so Jesus wasn't lingering in Judea. He went to Galilee where most of his ministry was, was done. In verse 2 and 3, we read that, Now the Jews' feast of booths were, uh, was at hand. So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. So in Jewish... Uh, culture, there were three feasts that males were supposed to attend. By Jewish law, they were supposed to attend the Passover, the Feast of Passover, Tabernacle, and Pentecost. And we see that in this same passage, we see that his brothers were encouraging him to go with them to this feast, the Feast of Booths uh, here that, that we see, or the Feast of, of uh, tabernacle. And so we see his brothers were, were urging him to come with them. And we see that his brothers, his brothers would have been his half-brothers. They would have been James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. James is the one who wrote the epistle of James. And Judas, not Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Judas, his half-brother, was the one to write the book of Jude. But the unfortunate thing in this is that his own brothers didn't even believe in him as the Son of God. I mean, just imagine growing up with Jesus for a minute. I mean, Jesus was perfect, right? So never spilled a glass of milk, never got mad at his mom and, and dad, or never threw a fit, right? So, I, I mean, I can almost hear Mary saying, James, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Right? And so we see that these brothers hung out around Jesus for such a long time, but they still didn't believe in Him as the Son of God. They had already seen these miracles that He had performed, but they were, they were not yet there. In verse 5 it says, it says, For not even His brothers believed in Him. Now, have you ever tried giving Jesus advice? Have you ever tried giving God advice? Have you ever thought that you knew better than God did? And so you tried to advise God to do something that you think is not even on his mind. Have you ever tried to give God advice? How did that work out for you? 
And so here we see that Jesus' brothers were trying to give Jesus advice. And this was their advice in verse 4 through 5. It says, For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. This was their advice. Basically this, no one, wants to become a, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. So since you're doing these things, you got to show yourself to the world, man. Like, you got to make yourself known. And the first thing that comes to mind as I'm reading this passage is YouTube creators, right? The people who have 4 million followers or, or subscribers on their YouTube and the things that they do on YouTube, I don't know why they're worth 4 million subscribers. Some, some of them, uh, Ryan's Toys Review. Anybody seen that at Target? Right, the toys you you see you see the egg thing in the, on the shelf, but he's also a YouTube star with who knows how many followers. But all he does is review toys, and he gets paid for it. And he's a probably seven to eight years old, or 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 the Keys brothers. My little guy and I actually like watching these ridiculous brothers, um, but but they have something like eleven million followers something like that and they do the most ridiculous things like filling up diet coke bottles with a bunch of mentos and throwing it off the roof what happens if you know what happens with mentos and coke diet coke not not the other coke or guava juice are any of these names familiar to anyone if you if you are watching and you have heard of any of these uh comment something on there yes i've watched guava juice that's not his real name, in case you're wondering. But Guava Juice does these odd things, like he fills bathtubs up with jello, and he does cannonballs into the bathtub. And he's got how many viewers? Or, 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 or Dude Perfect. Now, I can understand them, but not the other ones. But listen, some YouTubers are on YouTube for one reason, to make a name for themselves. Right? That's the ultimate goal. Now, can I ask you a question? In Jesus' public ministry, did Jesus ever tell his disciples to go post that he was going to be doing a healing uh, in Galilee on Facebook? Did Jesus ever tell his disciples to go post on Facebook to let the whole world know that he was about to turn water into wine? You can answer that. Thank you. <laughs> did, did he set up Zoom calls? Like, hey, I'm having this Zoom call on, on how to make yourself famous in less than two minutes uh, because I, I want everybody to know how I'm going to be famous, and then I want everybody to know that I have the secret to be... Jesus didn't do that. He didn't create Zoom calls. He didn't have Zoom calls back then. But Jesus didn't promote his public ministry. Oftentimes, when we look in the Gospels, many times Jesus would respond to healing in such a way as not to draw attention to himself. In Luke chapter 5, we see the story about Jesus healing a leper. And the leper comes up to Jesus and says, If you will, make me clean. And Jesus says, Go, your faith has made you well. But look at his response to the leper. In, in Luke 5, verse 14 through 15, it says, And he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Listen to this. But now even more report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. And Jesus was soaking it up, sitting on a pedestal. No. 
You know what the next sentence says? But he, with, he would withdraw to desolate places. He wasn't bringing attention to himself. Jesus' M.O. was not to put himself on a pedestal. Jesus was humble, and he did everything to bring glory to the Father. But, unfortunately, his brothers didn't believe in him. I think so, so many times, many, many of us think, if I'm just a nice person, then that person will become saved. If, if I mow his lawn, or I'll bake him cookies, or her cookies, and I'll wave when he drives by, I'll be a lovely person. Listen, there was no lovelier person than Jesus Christ, and yet his brother still didn't believe in him. Listen, what we need is a great aggressiveness when it comes to sharing the gospel. Especially now. You can wave to your neighbor for 20 years and wave him right to hell. We need an aggressiveness when it comes to sharing the gospel. The other day I went to Staples and I wish I had it on me, but um, on my car keys I have a hand sanitizer bottle and it's in a banana. I showed it one time. Um, but I, I was also wearing a hat that had an apple and a bear on it, and I obviously have a tattoo with the scripture on it. And so I go up to the lady at the line, and she's just staring at me. You know, kind of one of those like, okay, I'm looking down, but I know you're looking right at me, and it's getting kind of uncomfortable because I don't know what you're staring at right now. Have I been the only one in that type of situation? Thank you. Thank you. But as she's, she's ringing my stuff up, she comments on my banana hand sanitizer. Nothing spiritual there, right? Nothing, no, no spiritual implication or anything. But then she gets to my hat. And she says, what, what's, what's with the apple and the bear? And I said, well, bear fruit. Jesus, Jesus said that when we are connected to him, we'll go and, and bear much fruit. And she got kind of quiet. And, and then she looked at my arm, and, and, and she didn't comment anything. I had to go comment on anything I had to go and make a return and so I went back into the store and I I, I I exchanged it and did all that stuff and then when I got back up to the line same girl she's looking at my arm and she says does that mean that you were dead before Jesus and now because of Jesus you have life I said that's exactly what it means most people think it's somebody's heartbeat that that died in, in my family but it's ultimately what you are before Christ and so I got to share this Bible verse with her Colossians 2 13 because that's what's on my arm and I better have it memorized but this one says you were dead because of your sins and because of your because your sinful nature was not yet cut away then God made you alive anybody thankful for that then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins yes being a lovely person is a great thing, but being a lovely person never, never brought anybody to Christ. Baking cookies might be a good attempt at bridging the gap, but sometimes we just got to speak up. We got to have an aggressiveness. If you've been watching your neighbor for the last 20 years and you don't even know his name, I would encourage you to go next door and just say hi. Ask him how he's doing. So Jesus was not promoting himself and so he let his disciples go and Jesus stayed back in verse 6 it says this it says Jesus said to them my time has not yet come but your time is always here 
Now, Jesus was not operating on the disciples' schedule. They were, they were saying, Jesus, Jesus, we got to go right now. we got to go. There's a festival down there. You're doing all these crazy things. you got to come with us so people can know that you are God. More so for them to understand and believe that he was the Son of God. Because why? They didn't believe that he was the Son of God. But Jesus wasn't operating on the disciples' schedule. Jesus was not even operating on his own schedule. Listen, in, in verse 6, Jesus, uh, in this passage really, Jesus didn't say he wouldn't go. He would go down to the feast because he was obeying that Jewish law for the males. But he said he wouldn't go with them publicly. Can you imagine what the disciples would have done if Jesus were to come with them? Uh, this entourage of disciples, and it, it would look like Jesus was a somebody. But Jesus didn't want to bring popularity to himself to to win public favor by something spectacular so point number one is this for you and i we need to operate according to the father's schedule operate according to the father's schedule this was jesus's heartbeat behind everything he did he did not want to go on anyone else's timing question are you operating on the basis of your will, of your timing, when you want to do things, how you want to do things, or is your life centered around what He wants you to do? See, your desires will lead you astray. Uh, have you heard the advice, just follow your heart's desire? Anybody ever hear, hear that before? Just follow your heart's desire. Don't do that. Do you know why we shouldn't do that? Because look at what the Bible says about our hearts. In Jeremiah 17, 9, the message translation says this, The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. So next time somebody tells you to follow your heart's desire, don't do it. Because remember, your heart, like Jeremiah says, is dark and deceitful. Just like the disciples' advice to Jesus was garbage to, to come with us so everybody can know you are this high and mighty public figure. So is this advice of following your heart's desire. Now, the opposite of that is to follow what God's desire is for your heart. Right? So when I was in Bible college, uh, I would always come across this verse, Psalm 37, verse 4. It's not on the screen, so I apologize for that. But Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will grant you the desire of your heart. But didn't you just tell me that my heart is dark and deceitful? Well, yeah. But look at the first part of that verse. When I was in Bible college, I never understood it. I only caught the last part because I wanted my heart's desires to be granted. But the first part of that verse is this. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's the first part. Take joy in Him. Follow Him. Seek Him. Know Him intimately. Know Him deeply. And then He will grant you your heart's desire. But it wasn't the desire you had before you knew Jesus. Because when you're delighting yourself in the Lord, your desires change. They're not the same as they were when you were not walking in the light. And a lot of what our hearts are telling us to do in this season is not the right way to handle things yes stand up for your freedom 
Yes, stand up for those who have no voice. Yes, stand up. But don't stand up in your time, on your desires, in your way, with your own wisdom. Seek the Lord. Ask for wisdom. Ask for His direction. Listen, Jesus relied on the Father for direction. Did He not? He, he did. Everything He did, He did based off of the timeline of when God, want, God the Father wanted Him to do something. Listen, Jesus relied on the Father for direction, for strength, for, for wisdom. Now, the question I have for you is if Jesus, the Son of God, did rely on the Father for direction, how much more should we? In verse 7 through 9, it says this. It says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. When we moved into our house, um, there was new carpet put in, but uh, during the summertime, uh, when we would shut the house down and we would get all ready for bed and we turn the lights off and we closed down everything, these carpet beetles started to come up from underneath the carpet. These just little black beetles. In the evening, there were beetles everywhere. And at the, at the time, the one good thing about cats is that they do hunt these things down. At the time, we didn't have to worry about it. Our cats took care of it, and now that our cats are outside, it's another story. But in the morning when we hit the lights on, when we turn the lights on, there'd be no more beetles. Why? Because they can't stand the light. As soon as that light would come on, they would scatter. Even if I got up in the middle of the night and I turned the light on, they would go crawling back to where they came from. Listen, the world is hostile to Christ. John 8, verse 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, the world is hostile to Christ because Jesus exposes the wickedness, the sin, and the evil. No one necessarily likes to be told that they're sinners. We would much rather get away with it and not be confronted by it. And Jesus says here, that the world doesn't hate you because of you. The world hates you because of me. Because it hates him because I testify about it, that its works are evil. The world hates us Christians because we are carriers of the light. Can I ask you a question? What do you do to get rid of the dark? Philip, do you karate chop it and throw, shoot a bow at it, just try to get rid of the dark? No, no, no. What, what do you do? It's very simple, right? There's these fascinating things on the wall called light switches. Right? And you go up to them and you flip them on. And as long as you got a light bulb in there and working electricity, right? What happens when you flip that switch? Go figure. The light comes on. Unless your husband hasn't changed the light bulb, then we've got another story. But listen, in order for us to, to hear the good news, we first have to hear the bad news. 
And the bad news is, is that before we flipped the switch, we were in the dark. The good news is this, when we flipped the switch, we were in the light, we could see. See, the bad news is that we're sinners. Apart from Jesus, there is no forgiveness of those sins. We need to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The good news is this, though. The switch is this. Jesus died to forgive us of our sins, and He rose again so we could rise with Him and have the hope of heaven in sight. Amen? Amen. Verse 10 through 13 John says, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up. See, Jesus also went up, but not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Verse 13, yet for the fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. And so the Jewish religious leaders wanted to know where Jesus was, so they asked the question, where is He? And as they were asking this question of where is He, I'm almost sure the crowd started talking about Him, started talking about Jesus. What He was doing was spreading. Who He was was still yet to be fully uh, there in the minds of people. But that was for them. And it doesn't have to be for us that way for us today. You can walk away with a clear understanding of who Jesus is today. So point number two is this. What's your verdict? What's your verdict of Jesus? In verse 12, we read that some say that he was a good man. Right? The verdict is true, but it's not the whole truth. Napoleon said this. He made this famous remark. He says, I know men in Jesus Christ is more than a man. Jesus was indeed man, but He was man with the mind of God. When Jesus spoke, it was not just a man, it was the words of God. William Barclay said, when He speaks, when Jesus speaks, it is God speaking to men. And Christianity means not arguing about His commands, but accepting them. Some say that He was a prophet. Verse 40 in chapter 7 says, On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Now this is also true, but it's not the whole truth. A prophet, if you look in the Old Testament, would normally say, Thus saith the Lord. But when Jesus spoke, he would say, I say unto you. You see the difference there? His words have authority because he's Lord. Some say that he's a seducer, right? Verse 26, here he is speaking publicly and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? Basically saying, Jesus is saying almost all the right words, trying to gain a following. That's all he's really after is just this popularity thing. And and that's not Jesus. That's not the Jesus I know. Jesus isn't looking to make us feel good so we can approve of him. Jesus doesn't give us feel-good messages. Listen, Jesus is a straight shooter. He doesn't sugarcoat things. In a world where things are completely hidden, Jesus doesn't hide anything or beat around the bush. 
The last option is the Christ. Good man, a prophet, a seducer, the Christ. Matthew 16, verse 13 through 20, Jesus asked Peter, you know the, the question, uh, what do men say of me? Who do men say that I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what, do you, what about you? Talking to Peter. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The anointed one of God, the Messiah. Barclay says this again, nothing less will do. It is the plain fact that Jesus does not fit into any of the available human categories. Only the category of the divine will do. So, what's your verdict on Jesus? As it turns out, there is only one. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Anointed One of God. Only Jesus can save you from your sins, give you new life, give you purpose, give you meaning, give you hope. Only Jesus. And so as we wrap up our time in God's Word and, and we enter into a time of just reflection, maybe before this message you, you weren't too sure about who Jesus was or is. Yeah, I can agree with that, that he's a good man. Or, or yeah, he's a prophet. Or, or yeah, maybe he does look like he says, says the, the, the right things to gain a following. But I don't know if I can handle the Christ. I don't know if I can believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. I, I don't know if I can believe that he is the one that can forgive me of my sins. thing I love about testimonies is the fact that when somebody shares their story about what Jesus has done in their life, you cannot argue about it. You cannot argue against a saved and changed life. Because Jesus took that person from darkness to light. And throughout scripture we see people becoming transformed because of what Jesus, Jesus did for them. And so as we enter into this time of reflection, just encourage you to be firm with your verdict. Remember, there's only one, and that is Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that as we open up scripture, God, you use scripture to to cut us open, to do spiritual surgery. And Lord, some of us need that this morning. Jesus, I, I thank you that you are full of grace and mercy and truth.
and that when you do work in our lives, when you change our lives, you're not, you're not careless. The reason you change our lives and, and, and seek to, to draw us into yourself is, is because you love us. So Lord, I specifically want to pray for those that may be questioning your love for them this morning. God, you've proven your love for them by sending your one and only Son to die on the cross for their sins, to rise again from the grave. Lord, help us to have a renewed perspective on how much you really love us. So with every head bowed and eyes eyes closed, as we enter into this time of reflection, I I would just encourage you just to to ask God to, to show you what you need to do. It's not enough just to hear his words, but to do it. So if there's an area of your life that you've been hearing the word of God, but you haven't been doing the word of God, I would encourage you, number one, to ask God for the strength to carry out that that thing that he's calling you to do from his word, but also just to to wait upon him to show you what that, that thing is. And for those of you that are watching, if... If you're watching and, and you need to enter into a relationship with, with Jesus, you need your sins forgiven. There's no magical prayer. There's, there's nothing that, that, that in Scripture we see. We don't see anything like that. It's just coming to Jesus. When you come to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to give you a new start, He will. And so as we spend some time in reflection and as the team closes out in a a chorus, I encourage you just to wait and be still before the Lord. Lord, help us to hear from you in this moment. Help us not to rush through it. Help us just to wait and listen. Jesus, we love you.
so undeniable I, I can hardly speak peace so this week is uh, that we can just remember this is how we can identify is that we we have a father who loves us we don't have to identify by how the world does we know that we can rely on our father who is good and and will take care of us and and he's asking us just to uh, to pour our love out and our heart out to him I pray that you guys all have a, a blessed week this week you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am.
Oh,